Hi, everybody. Welcome to World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason in Portland, Oregon. Time for another Oregon Music News Coffee Shop Conversation. I'm Tom D'Antoni, OMN's editor, and once again, I'll be sitting here talking to somebody interesting. Today, it's keyboardist, vocalist, composer, Rebecca Sanborn. You know her from the Blue Cranes and Swansea. This is going to be fun. Coming up in the next few weeks will be three-legged torsos Courtney Vondrelli, radio's Inessa, Andrew Paul Woodworth with a story about Jim Varney drunk. Also, Denise Kowalczyk, who will tell us the long, hard story of KZME, and we'll find out what she's up to now. Also, I've recorded one of the baristas here who will tell us what the hell the cupping room is. That's where we are. Why don't we talk to Rebecca Sanborn right now? Well, welcome to the cupping room. This is the cupping room. All right. I don't know what that means. It's kind of a running joke, but I don't know what that means. But it does mean something having to do with coffee. Okay. Yeah, not Chinese medicine or anything else like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, how are you? I'm really good. <laughs> <laughs> Still a little freaked out from car trouble, car trouble on the way yes. here, but um, I ordered decaf so that my oh, heart rate would not continue <laughs> the way it did on the freeway. Oh, well, that's good. Although... Uh, that, that can work in your favor. Right. Yeah. I'm already excited. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, um, where have you been lately? Well, I just got uh, home from a tour up and down the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, With which of the, of, the, of the 60 or 70 bands that you're in? Right. <laughs> uh, this was with Loch Lomond. Uh-huh. Loch Lomond. Mm -hmm. um, and we did a tour uh, opening up for the Vaselines. And I got to play in Canada for the first time wow. ever, which was cool. And, um, yeah, it was really sweet. Come in. Oh, well. He was nice. He is, he is <laughs> nice. So it was one of the, one of the baristas. He, had, he was going to make coffee. It's okay. He didn't hear me. Well, here we, we are. We are in a coffee shop. We are. Here we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, was that Swansea back into playing with them, or was it just you, or what? It was Swansea and, and some other musicians as well. So mm -hmm. uh, Jai, Tanzer, Kyleen King, and myself are now we, – we still have Swansea, of course, yeah. as our project, but we are also all three of us in Loch Lamont. Oh, you are? Uh, with Richie Young ah. yeah, and uh, Pete Bozak and Julie Cliniani Bozak. So oh. it was the six of us. Oh, was it fun? Stage. Oh, it was great. Yeah? It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. The Vaselines are all um, incredibly humble, sweet, friendly, funny, uh -huh. funny people. Yeah. And it was nice to play in uh, a lot of places I'd never played before. Uh -huh. Good sounds. Um, parking spaces for the van. <laughs> that was a plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Where in Canada did you play? Oh, uh, we were just in Vancouver. Oh, that, well, not just. <laughs> in East Van, as yes. they call it. Oh. Which was a little weird. It would, We had a weird... It was sort of like we were talking about this. It was like if someone came to Portland and went to 82nd Avenue 
and then had to leave right away the next morning. And oh. that was their, like, I saw Portland. It was weird. Like, it oh, was right. really socked in and bad weather. And we were in this part of town that was really dirty. And <laughs> for some reason, we were in a vortex where we were constantly running into like, sketchy people. And <laughs> we decided that that wasn't probably the the only vision of Vancouver that we could have <laughs> and give it another shot next time around. But still, we were in Canada. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. Um, uh, well, you know, it's kind of like playing Duff's Garage. Right. <laughs> Over there, you know, uh, 82nd. Um, uh, so Swansea is still happening, though, right? Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In fact, yesterday we're in the studio. We're working with John Askew at Scenic Burrows. Right. Um, working on the final, final, final mixes, making <laughs> those ultimate minor fine tooth comb adjustments. What and kind of adjustments? Just uh, leveling here, there, or um, you know, just the tiniest little things like oh, a little more snare drum in this. These eight measures, like you know, the things that only you hear, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, just as the all the pieces fall together and are settling, but yeah. the the good feeling is that every time we listen to them, we're still completely excited and happy about the songs. Oh, that's and great. Thrilled great. about it. So. Uh -huh. But you know, we don't hear those things. Right. The rest of us don't ever hear those things. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's true. It's very few. Uh, so w what's what's different about this album? This album, uh, as opposed to the last album, the last album, Old Blood, was still sort of a holdover from my kind of solo or duo singer-songwriter days. Mm -hmm. um, and this one is definitely a lot more dancey. There's a, a lot of... Um, layers and the whole feeling of that the record is pretty up so it's kind of a new era hmm. it's all my favorite bands though change really who they are and how they sound with each record yeah so except pink martini <laughs> <laughs> it's a good it's a I don't know. It can be good. It can be like, oh, I didn't like this. I wish they would have stuck with their old modality or that's whatever a, that, it is. But that can be a problem can it? with your fans. Yeah, I guess it's. But you can't really rein in artistic mm -hmm. growth in that way or right. demand that it stay in its same channel. Well, at least they won't like boo you from the stage. Right. You know. Unfortunately <laughs> Which, for us, this latest. Uh, I don't know. This latest vein that we're in seems to be really exciting. Great. And appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, you know, because there have been major artists, as you know, who have made a turn and the audience just boos them and tells them to go away. And, you know, it's weird. Yeah. You know, and all you're trying to do is grow. You right. Know? Yeah, being flexible about change is really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it started out as just a duo with you and you and Jai, right? Right, just the two of us. Huh. And um, yeah, it was really mellow, really quiet. Um, 
I sang quietly. Uh, the songs were quiet. Jai mm-hmm. played mostly with brushes and mallets, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of color work. Um, the songs weren't um, either. They changed time signatures or had a lot of out of time sections. Mm-hmm. And were really this sort of floaty feel. That's and easier to do with a duo, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and now they're just really locked into these dance grooves. Jai's playing um, with a, um, a Roland SPDS really? off to the side. Well, he does everything. He's always the most fascinating one to watch on stage. <laughs> he's playing bells. He's playing the Roland. He's playing the kit. He's doing everything, singing, standing up, knocking over cymbals, <laughs> being Jai. <laughs> You know, I've, I've, of course, I, I've asked people like Lisa Mann and, and some other other people who who are who have musical marriages, how that works. Of course, with Lisa, they're both bass players and they're not in the same band. Um, I, I, how does how, you know? How does that work? I don't really know. Other than that, I think that we're really lucky. Yeah. Because I'm not sure how how to name. That it, other than that, it's really good, and yeah. we prefer to work together. We uh, work together outside of music. We work together with, you know, three different bands. It's been more at times. Yeah, travel together. That's the one thing actually that's really remarkable is that we travel well together, uh-huh. because nothing highlights. Yeah, the little. <laughs> <laughs> Rough edges of a relationship, like having to travel yeah. in challenging or tight quarters with people for a long period of time, it mm-hmm. really tests um, relationships, and often for the better. I've found personally in my own experiences, anyway. Yeah. But with Jai, it's just easy, 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 and fun. That's great. You know, there's there's another couple who've been together for decades. Um, Steve Einhorn and Kate Power, who used to run Artichoke. Yeah. And they are just as in love as they've ever been. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's so good. I, when, when I remember when I, um, uh, when I first started uh, doing the Oregon Art Beat, I did a, I did a piece on, on them and Artichoke. They were still running Artichoke at the time. And I forgot. I said, listen, i got to go back and get one more shot. And, and I went back, and I got them kissing in the store. Oh. <laughs> and just, just a month ago, um, I did a, a little video interview with the two of them because they moved. They just moved back to town, and they're sitting in their house, which was all like gutted and everything, getting ready, getting ready to be redone. And I had sat them down, and I turned the camera on, and they didn't know I turned the camera on. And she turned to him and gave him a kiss. And they've been together for decades, yeah. you know. And and they they went all over the country in a little RV with a bunch <laughs> of ukuleles, teaching ukuleles all over the country for two years. It's great. It's That's wonderful. Fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, so, drummers, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drummers. Drummers. You know what they say about drummers? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things. Yeah. Um, how did you meet? We met at a, a dive bar. Suki's Steakhouse. You know oh, that yeah, place? sure. Up by Barbara Boulevard. Yeah, that was my first regular gig that I got when I moved back to Portland after college. Wow. Yeah, um, a friend of mine told me about it, and they had a piano there, so I started doing like solo original work, um, 
singer-songwriter stuff, Tuesday nights. And I got a percentage of the bar, which meant that I'd walk home with like $7. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But it was still forcing me to play in public every week and work on new material. And and I came in on my off night because I wanted to talk to Suki and ask him about having – if he would be into giving me a little – extra scratch so I could get some players together. Mm-hmm. I've been coming down on my off nights to watch the winning team, which was a uh, amazing uh, jazz group of PSU students mm-hmm. with like Ken Aulis and Scott Pemberton and oh, Mark Hutchins and, and all these players. And yeah. I got to fell in with that crowd and they were really fun and sweet. And um, I, uh, Wanted to like you know hire like a bass player and a drummer or something and mm-hmm. and try to this was when a lot of my singer songwriter stuff was really jazzy and yeah. and I wanted to work on that and um so I came and sat at the bar and had some dinner was waiting for Suki to show up and Jai who was just back in town from being in Africa mm-hmm. um was do, subbing out uh, well Ken subbed out the gig to Jai. Because he couldn't do it that night, and um, Jai didn't have a car at the time, so he sh- would ride the bus with all of his drums. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so he arrived early because he's at the behest of schedules, yeah, you know, yeah. not created by him. And he <laughs> is there early, and the bartender, our friend, mutual friend Brandy, was like, "Jai, do you know Rebecca? Rebecca, do you know Jai? You should meet." And and fortunately for me, I think the band didn't show up for another couple hours. Neither did Suki, and the two of us talked nonstop about bands and talking nonstop is usually a good sign. Yeah, I yeah. I went home that night, and uh, of course Suki shot me down. He was like, "No, you can't have that money." And but I didn't care. I was on cloud nine, and I wrote yeah. in my journal that I I think I just met. Wow. One of the best friends I'll ever have At in my first whole life. Sight. Absolutely. Wow. Right away. That's wonderful. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So what were you uh if you if you were doing jazzy singer songwriter stuff, were you patterning patterning yourself after anyone in particular back then? Yeah, I was um really obsessed with uh Joni Mitchell. I had been for a long time and that continued like a decade of nonstop listening to her music and mm-hmm. weather report Terrible. weirdly enough i was really into uh jacob pistorius and um well, who wasn't and then that spun me off in a lot of different directions of yeah. course as it always does but mm-hmm. for a while there it was just joni and jocko and also mm-hmm. uh, uh another canadian artist jane sibbery mm-hmm. and she'd put out this record called maria mm-hmm. um she had brian blade on it and chris thomas and and it was gorgeous it still is like I think my desert island pick. If I had to, really? I'd bring Maria with me. Huh. It's a beautiful and strange and thought-provoking and a dreamlike mm-hmm. record. And harmonically, it's always interesting to me, and lyrically and melody-wise. And it sparked a a really deep change in my work. And and so that's kind of the modality that I was in. Huh was that huh. work and and luckily Jai decided he came he came down to see me play on a Tuesday night mm-hmm. and said that he would be my drummer 
and I wouldn't have to pay him. Wow. So it didn't matter that Suki said no. I still I got a great drummer and best friend and husband out of it. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, so you it, uh, so your your singing was was more like uh, it was influenced by, by by Johnny Mitchell and also Jane Sibbery. Yeah, Sibri. quite a bit. And, and what about your playing? Yeah, I would say too. Um, yeah. And at the time, I was um, studying with Randy Porter in town, ah. and um, so he was uh, working with me on just working on jazz, of course, and also my originals, mm-hmm. um, which he was really good. I'd had teachers in the in the past that would take an original song I'd written, after, and after I'd play it, I'd always get the <laughs> the silence. <laughs> And then the the like, I don't know if I would call that a song or would you like, I'm not sure. There was always this sort of, I don't know what to do with you reaction. And and Randy actually said the same thing. Like, what does one do with you? But it was so positive. And so he was excited and I was excited. And it was a, a question of like, oh, this is a great jumping off place and how do we grow from here and and it was also an appreciation that went both ways and um, so. I've always wondered about him as a teacher what what is his method I think it changes for every student uh-huh. at least that's what I gathered because we would uh-huh. he he tailored lessons just for what I wanted to work on or needed uh-huh. to work on he had you know all the you know set things that you had to go through rhythm changes and mm-hmm. you know just from the ground up little building blocks but really ultimately what it came down to is um what I needed to work on and and it sounded like I obviously wasn't present for other students mm-hmm. um taking their lessons but he's a really a fluid and flexible funny teacher funny yeah he's funny Really? He was really fun. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, I've interviewed him, and I really, I mean, I admire him, and I appreciate him, and, uh, but he, when I when I interviewed him, he wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's something that happens, too, if you are being, you know you're being recorded. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I get nervous. You don't seem nervous. Okay, that's cool. You didn't seem nervous last time, either. I'll just take some of this what? decaf now. <laughs> You didn't seem nervous last time, which is why I asked you this time. Cool, it's working. Everybody loved that interview. <laughs> oh, cool! That video, that little video that we did. It was a little short one, but you know, yeah. And you know, what's funny. Um, I I I hope that the rest of the guys in the band understood the joke at Montevilla when I waited to when I was introducing the band Blue Grains, and I and I saved you for last. <laughs> I don't know if they'd seen the seen it by then. Maybe we had, but I got it. It was fun. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, are you gonna you gonna tour with this this new Swan? When when is the new Swan? When when will the new Swansea album be out? To be determined. Yes, um, and that is uh, a lot de- of that going around. Right, it because. Everything is changing so much. We don't really know how to release it. 
I mean, yeah. we know we want it to be on vinyl, and we know we want it to be um, a, a digital release available yeah. for sale and also um, yeah. just to be available because um, right now that feels right for us. Yeah. And um, actually the thing that we're trying to work on is like other sources of media, like everyone else trying to yeah. kind of navigate this new terrain that is changing every second. Yes. I simultaneously feel very excited by it and and like there's a lot of opportunity and then I also feel incredibly overwhelmed and part of me gets feels sort of shut down by how much possibility there is and yeah. it feels so easy to with so much out there to feel a little lost. So well, it's, I, yeah, it's very know, overwhelming. It, it, is, it is. I understand it is. And not only that, it's it, the, the other things that are changing really quickly is that Facebook and Twitter are not the tools they used to be. Mm. You know? So what do you do then? And they're not the tools that they will be. Right. Or will not be. Right. It's very yeah, yeah. nebulous. Yeah. yeah. I can, you know, I, had, I talked to a publicist over the weekend, and I, she was, I don't know, she was in her 20s. Around in there, maybe late twenties. Are there publicists there in their twenties? Wow. I think there are. She looked. She was. Well, she looked young anyway. Well, so you know, Jared Jared Lawson looks like he's twenty three. He's thirty. Right. But anyway, and I said to her, "You know how? Because I get a hundred emails a day, right, from publicists." <laughs> and so I said to you, "You know, you know how to how to get me? Call me on the phone." Yeah. <laughs> you know. Talk to me, you know. And uh, of course, a lot of people said, "No, no, I don't want that. Don't, don't ever tell them to call you. Although people will, be, will call you then." Well, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, people have stopped using their phone to right. converse. You know, it's weird. It's almost like become scary to talk. Really? I think. <laughs> yeah, just from what I read from a lot of situations, like oh, it was just easier to text because. Then I'll have time. You give your – it's instantaneous, but it also sort of creates this buffer of time to process stuff. Or Do you feel that way? I guess uh, – well, gosh, I've never asked myself that question. Um, <laughs> it's mainly what I see in some people around me, but yeah. I think it does exist in really? myself too, wow. especially if I – am dealing with like a tricky like scheduling thing or or a question if i re if i need to talk then i will talk but it's last resort it has become last oh, resort no and it's sort of a pain in the ass it why is? isn't that terrible it is terrible i'm realizing this it's just horrible. now oh you know, so tarnished. you know how long it takes to text <laughs> it takes much longer to text much longer so i mean if you look at it that way right it's a waste You're of time. time yeah you know, and you can you can communicate more in thirty seconds by talking to somebody than you can in in five minutes with text. Right. Plus, you got to go back and fix it. <laughs> you know, it's it, it gives you, always gives you the wrong word. You know. <laughs> right. Which is really frustrating. Right. Uh, why don't you know that? Why don't you? Why don't you know that word? Right. I've used that word a lot. You should have it in your memory. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I just uh, it's it's I, it, 
people, people should just talk to each other. Just talk to each other. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> getting back to where were we? Um, uh, introducing you for and introducing you last as 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 the preeminent member of the Blue Crane. <laughs> <laughs> I think preeminent. Wow. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, it's and I, we talked about that a little bit last time. You know, the, the fact that you've got these gigantic personalities <laughs> with Reed and Joe. You know, I mean, it would be it, it would be easy for anybody to get you know a little bit subsumed with uh, you know by those those gigantic well not only gigantic personalities but the fact that they are. Saxophone players, yeah, who make who make who make grand statements and 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 you know and all that. Um, I I don't know the story of how you got up with those guys. Well, Blue Crane started out as a, a duo between Reed and Jai. You know, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and uh, a million years ago, they went to high school together at Grant, and. Um, Jai was a couple years ahead of Reed, and so they only played, I think, one year together in jazz band. Um, mm -hmm. And when Reed came, I think I'm getting this right, when he came back home to mm -hmm. Portland from college and everything, um, and he was starting his own project, which was just him, and it was called the Reed Wallsmith, yeah. which is so <laughs> deeply funny to me. Is, I love it so much. It is funny. It's um, very funny. He they, they, called they, they, they Jai. Do, more, they do Morrissey songs or Jimmy <laughs> All yeah, original so, yeah. Reed, Reed okay. Walsh stuff, of course, which yeah. no other songs. You always know it's a Reed song. Um, <laughs> yeah, he wanted to play with Jai, and so they got together and started working up some material. And then um, next came Keith Brush, uh -huh. and it was a trio for a long time, um, which I enthusiastically went to see them play and absolutely like was a huge fan of the band and uh -huh. the music. And... Um, then Reed uh, went through trying to add different players, um, several different guitar players, and was looking for a different harmonic element. But those particular voices weren't speaking to him for, I guess, actualizing the music that mm -hmm. as he wanted it to be heard. Mm -hmm. And he asked me if I wanted to try, you know, to see if not like um, – he didn't couch it in terms of like, are you good enough to join the band or anything like that? But is this gonna? Is the music? It was always about the music, always about the song. Is is this combo going to serve the song mm -hmm. in the best way possible? And I was terrified, of course, because I've been you know solo player for so long or yeah. just duo, and um, it really pushed me to become a better player. It still is every time pushing me to become a better listener and a better ensemble player and um, and he liked the way that the keyboards worked with what he was doing and kept that and then we were together as a quartet for a while and then um, Reed brought Joe on to play at an album release hmm. for an album that we were putting out mm -hmm. and after that show that those two have an amazing connection. Yeah. It's rare. It's beautiful. It's absolutely like this spiritual thing that you can almost see when they they play together. Yeah, and this is very very ugh, almost nothing like it. It is amazing, yeah. and it was so obvious to all of us. We all wanted Joe to yeah. join, and then we became a quintet, and and that's yeah. still our current formation. 
yeah, yeah. So where do you see yourself? What, what, what is, you know, where do you see your role in that, in, in the band, musically? Well, just doing what the song tells me to do, really. I mean, we all have ideas depending on who wrote the song or, because we arrange together. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it is getting out of the way of the song. What do you mean? Um, I guess that sort of means not making any one individual voice speak over the statement of the song. Because I guess to go back or to our conversation about actually talking to people, yeah. you know, when you have conversation, it can get exciting and you talk over each other and there's parts where that naturally occurs in all mm -hmm. conversations, but conversation is based on listening or at least ideally it should be supposed to be yes right yeah it's the, the same with playing music and and there's nothing no other feeling like when the group comes together and is lifting up the song and everyone is listening and playing is almost secondary out of that and so um if any one of us finds that we're like playing too much or it just it just never feels right and um I'm not talking about like solo sections or something like that. Yeah. But, um Yeah, so my role is just to be a part of the group and to make the song crush people. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't know that I'm subtly, you know, raising my volume pedal and changing the tremolo so it's starting to become more agitated and there's this, like, big atmospheric thing behind. Even if you don't know that that's happening, but you feel something in your chest and all of a sudden you're standing in the crowd and overwhelmed by the emotion of the song, then that's the goal, not look what that keyboard player just did, you know? Rebecca the Crusher Sandler. <laughs> Yeah, the nickname I never had in soccer. There you go. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Um, uh, you can feel when you, you can you feel the the audience being crushed in a, in the best way possible. You know what I mean. You know, sometimes I can. Sometimes. Sometimes I can. I, I think uh, so, more often, boy, this is going to sound sort of selfish, but more often I feel myself getting uh -huh. crushed on uh -huh. stage, either by what my fellow musicians are playing or the, just the beauty of the song itself, the chord changes or the melody. You know, just that makes perfect sense really, because no matter what you're, no matter what you're working in, you know, I mean, um, if you're writing, if, if I'm writing something funny. And I make myself laugh. Well, I figure I've got something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, you know, if 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 you enjoy your work, you have to enjoy. If you don't enjoy your work, then you shouldn't ever, never do it. Which cuts out about fifty percent of what I do. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's true, though. You know, I mean, and, and and of course, one of the best best things about that is you can go back and revisit stuff you did a while a long time ago and like surprise yourself. Yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, I go back, you know, when I I, I did a, a a book a few years back uh, about when I was a supermarket tabloid writer, and it had been ten or twelve years since I had I had I had looked at those stories that I had written, and this was sort of it was about 
you know, my life as a supermarket tabloid writer, and I, revis- <laughs> and, and I revisited those stories. And I just sat there and laughed out loud at stuff I had forgotten I had written, you know. Uh, and it's such a great feeling. Yeah. You know, because, uh, you, you, you know, you do have to entertain yourself. Right. You know, I mean, you have to, it has to, you know, it has to be meaningful to you. You know, if it's if it's funny, you laugh. But if it's serious and and and, and it's still and it's meaningful to you, it's lucky. Yeah. Yeah. But what about you and the audience? I had I interviewed Keith Jarrett one time. Okay. <laughs> and he was bitching as he <laughs> about about um, uh, people cleaning the house while listening to the Colin concert. You know, mm. I, I, sure, okay. so I, I said, well, I said, what do you think people do when they, when they take your, your albums home? And he said, I've never thought about that, mm. <clears throat> which totally blew my mind, yeah. you know, because that meant he had no connection with the audience. Mm. Right. What is your connection with the audience? Um, well, I think this is, Brings up a couple of points. Okay. <laughs> right off my the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, that's where we are. <laughs> right. Um, Yours and mine. I usually have a great fear of the audience. Really? And I um, have... But they love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still afraid of them. <laughs> I think because I always have a little bit of stage fright, even like... A, Entire background mm-hmm. in theater and playing music more times than I can count. I I'm always nervous. It takes like a a song or two and then I relax and I'm fine. Yeah. But I'm always like a little keyed up and a little scared and a little nervous. Like and those fears I think are based in like what if I forget everything I've ever known or yeah. what if I really mess up and people don't like it or don't like me or all of those like great deep fears of not being received Mm -hmm. at well and um but the the trick that i found it's weird the it's not weird i if i focus on the connection with the the players on stage and contact with them then i open up to the audience Mm -hmm. if i can open my heart and like let go of my um worries and fears or egotistical kind of circumlocutions, then I can mm-hmm. just be in the moment and I can really relax. And mm. and I'm someone who's – my emotions are always right over my face. It's very hard for me to disguise them. And one, one of the things that people talk to me about most after they see us play is that they – I get this comment all the time is that I I know what's going on in the music by watching your face. Wow. Because yeah. I have my emotions are playing over there over you know my features mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. which I'm obviously not aware of but would be highly embarrassed by. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's that's the usually when I'm done playing and I'm out in the audience and I'm talking to people that comes up again and again is um the audience felt connected because of whatever I was going through that they could see yeah. plainly. I, I didn't turn away from them or whatever it is. No, I understand that because um, I was just looking at one of our photographers, John Rudolph, shot shot you guys 
um, last fall, I believe it was, and um, there were some incredible pictures of you. So really being really intense about the, you know, while you were playing, shot while you were playing. And I think we're, we're, you know, we're going to use one of those. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and I understand that. Um, uh, well, you know, and, and the thing is, you, you don't get you you're, you don't get the immediate response of say a a comedian. You know, you don't you, you know you you don't you don't turn a phrase on on the keyboard and never have everybody laugh. <laughs> That would be so or, terrible. Or not. Or not. No. 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 It's terrible if they don't laugh. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, uh, can you tell when something great happens in the music, or you're just concentrating on what you're doing? I think it's not like maybe a little less pointed and more like a grand sweep of. Yeah. yeah. Of. But I guess like if if we're on stage and things are feeling right. I can feel an emotion from the audience. Yeah. Um, I think one of the the single most like moving experience uh, playing with Blue Cranes, where I felt, oh God, all of us felt that it was incredible, is when we played on Livewire. Mm-hmm. And um, that week, I my best friend had been battling brain cancer for eight years, and I was very very, very, very active in this process with her. She lived in Seattle, and and I would drive up there every couple of weeks or every week and stay with her, and um, uh, we were just soulmate best friends yeah. since, you know, seventh grade kind Indeed. of thing, and um, she was the bravest and best person ever, and mm-hmm. she was in a coma for five days and we were up there at the house in Seattle and um, we had to go back. It's not like you can just say or because Jai was with me and you can't just well I guess you can but it we did we thought we could go home and do Mm -hmm. it was easy like we'll just drive back and do the show and then drive back the next day this is what we'll do and Mm -hmm. we're just we have to play on live wire. It's like, I don't know, the whole pressure of that situation. And so we left um, We left Jill, and Jill was close with the band, too. She knew the band, and, and they loved her. And um, we you know, showed up at Al- Alberta Rose Theater, and we played Tucson. God, I forget how many we played, but um, we ended with uh, Broken Windmills. Mm-hmm which is so gorgeous and emotive anyway. And um, we dedicated on stage to Jill. And I just cried on stage. And it was like like you could have heard a pin drop. Yeah. That feeling. You could feel it from the audience and from everyone on stage. We were just beholden to the song and that feeling, and afterward it was all, it felt like so long, but it was like a warm sort of silence, like, like an embrace, and it was such a beautiful moment, and that was like absolutely tangible, that was the 
the time when I felt like absolutely the most tangible experience with music, uh -huh. with my family on stage, with the audience. Wow. And she ended up passing that night. Oh. Um, and I feel like she was there. <laughs> yeah. It was, I don't know, it, it was incredible. That's amazing. Wow. So beautiful and so sad and so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ooh. <laughs> well, you know, I have to ask you when the next Blue Cranes record is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> you do have, have to, to ask, ask me that. I have to ask you that. Because you know why? Because we want to know. <laughs> we want more music. I actually should have talked to Reed before I did this because I don't know how much I'm allowed to tell. Oh, oh, I know it's so secret. It's there's a, Matt Flieger knows. We are. Uh, <laughs> God, I, I we're in the machinations of it okay. still. Um, but it's um, we're involving a lot of collaborators for this one. Ooh. I will say that. So okay. it's a highly collaborative project. Uh -huh. um, with a Bringing lot of Tom Jones in? No. <laughs> Who told you that? Um, shoot. All right. I might as well. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it's – I don't know. I don't know. You have to ask me that, and I have to come up with some answer that's not total bullshit. You do. Um <laughs> Well, you could just say I can't talk about it. Uh, I can't talk about that right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we're, more of us are writing for this. Ah. I'm not making any promises, but I'm working on a song for oh, it, and great. I have not written a song for Blue Queens yet. So, and uh, Jai is working on one, um, and he hasn't written one since These Are My People. Mm -hmm. Joe and Reed, of course, are working very hard, hard on writing yeah. songs that already in their skeletal forms like we've yeah. been working on them in rehearsals here and there and already like I find myself on the edge of tears at rehearsal just oh going God. through these incredible uh, yeah. sketches that my friends are bringing to the wow. table and I'm I'm so excited I think that this record is going to be the best ever ever <laughs> it ever was <laughs> Ever in the existence of all blue cranes. <laughs> or <know>. anything. <laughs> Are you shooting for any particular time to bring it out? I mean, you're not recording it yet, right? No. Yeah. Uh, we're still in the construction yeah. phase. Yeah. Um, we're going to be recording the, um, this spring, starting the recording process. Okay. Um, and, and the recording part is going to be actually somewhat more piecemeal than we tend to do um, because we are involving a lot of collaborators oh, yeah. and we're working with schedules that yeah. are sort of, yeah. I mean, really spread out. Yeah. So, Well, you know, Tom Jones is in Vegas yeah. all the time, and he really can't come in when, just just on a whim. Maybe we'll just go to him. There you go. Blue Crane's trip to Vegas. Oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds so oh. horrific. You know, it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. <laughs> What's new, Pussycat? Right. Well, if we had him on a record, then maybe people would start throwing underwear on stage. 
That's funny. Is that like a bucket list thing to like get underwear thrown at you on stage? I don't know. It's on somebody's bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> it should be on mine. <laughs> it should be. It should be. Yeah, but guys don't change their underwear very often, so yeah. you wouldn't really. It's not really uh, unless unless you're into not that. Good. You know what I'm <laughs> so you you once told me that you you sometimes you feel more comfortable playing with the blue grains in a punk club than in a jazz club. Oh, absolutely. Why is that? Because one, I'm more at home in a like a dirty rock club. Yeah. With the flat black paint everywhere and a yes. nasty can and right. stickers. Right. I don't know. Um, but d- I, don't don't you think that the people in a, in a jazz club would appreciate the music more than the people in a in a punk club? No, I don't. Um, I mean that, that was a real question. I wasn't assuming one or the other. Yeah, I I think uh, sometimes it's the opposite because really? um, a jazz audience will come with um, a agenda. lot of preconceived ideas of what jazz music. Uh, is or should be an and agenda. They have an yes. agenda. They are the jazz police. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's it was a joke, but it was also very real. Um, that our first gig ever at Jimmy Max. Yeah. We hand lettered T-shirts that said uh, "Jazz Fraud" <laughs> and wore them on stage because it that's. It was yeah. funny, and also yeah. I constantly feel like a jazz fraud. Like I and Jai still has his T-shirt, which is has holes and stuff. <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's that it's a funny thing. I I don't know. Um, in in a rock club or in a punk club, especially. Um, okay, two things. Yeah. One, I like that when you go to see a show that the bands are really different because I think if they're too similar, your ears get exhausted uh-huh. or it just, you, your ability to sort of discern between bands or it goes away. It just becomes mm-hmm. like the whole bar gets lowered by everything being too much the same. Um, even if it's not like stylistically, there's some changes, but if the instrumentation or whatever is too much the same, then mm-hmm. it's, um, Harder to feel like rejuvenated, enlightened, surprised, like slammed, anything that will happen. And so I think that playing with different groups and different genres is always a bonus. And the second thing is I think that one, like when I keep numbering things, I'm so sorry. When a, when a rock <laughs> club audience is there and, uh-huh. and they don't know what they're coming to see, they're coming to see their friends in this punk band, and then they yeah. see these dudes yeah. with saxophones. They're yeah. probably thinking, "Oh shit!" Right? Like, right. really? What's going to happen now? Or they're like pumped because they used to play in jazz band in high school, and they want to talk to yeah. whatever. Yeah. But they don't know what they're going to hear, and then afterward, that those are the audiences where people like have the freedom to get into it. They're standing up. They can yell really loud. Yeah. They can be more of an interactive participant with the music. Mm-hmm. And the, actually when we go like when we were talking about audiences, I think that we have a, a lot of interactive experiences with audiences in punk clubs because 
you're like yelling into the audience and they're yelling back or there's a trade mm-hmm. there's this mm-hmm. like dialogue happening and if it's a really fancy sit down jazz club yeah. with the light clinking of yeah. silverware yeah. and and there's the wine and and, and, and there's the, people that are yeah. dressed up and they're there for this like I'm and here for must, my experience. It must, must be polite. It's like you it's yeah. hard to have this sort of like a throwdown or just this or something that's more on the edge and and I think I don't want to speak for all of us, but I think as a band, we love we feel like seek out those experiences that feel like we're on the edge of something that is different than what we've done before. Well, I promise, if I see you guys in a jazz club again, next time I see you in a jazz, <laughs> jazz club, I will yell at you. How about that? Good. I promise. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> okay, we'll yell back. I get thrown out. <laughs> but I. <laughs> right. Um, you know, well, and especially here in Portland. Right. Which is so polite and passive aggressive. Dude, the Pagro audiences in the Northwest, <laughs> the crossed arms. Yes. That exists yeah. in rock clubs, too. <laughs> the, the, because everyone's in a band. So your audience is all yeah. mu- musicians, too, uh-huh. pretty much. Was your family music, musical? Um, no. Really? Um, my parents, my sister, uh, is, plays piano classical beautifully mm-hmm. um she and i started lessons at a young age uh, how, but how my young? grandma got us a little spinet piano and how, my parents started us on lessons how young i started at five five wow yeah and i wow. was you know what i always say that i was a bad student mm-hmm. this is weird i don't know if this happens to other musicians i thought i was a terrible student maybe because i was getting in trouble for not practicing or whatever i would often stray from the page and mm-hmm. start Deedling around, right? Oh. And so wasn't doing what I was supposed Rebel to be doing. Early. And I thought, oh, I was a bad practicer, blah blah blah. And recently, my I was like cleaning out stuff, and I went through some old practice books. Yeah, and I practiced a lot. I had to write it all down. I uh-huh. got stickers, you know, the whole like <laughs> reward system, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, I thought I never practiced, but I did, and it was weird. It was like looking at somebody else's life. I didn't remember it that way, and but there was the proof. Uh-huh. That was a really strange experience. <laughs> anyway, I was a kid, yeah, and really, lo- I don't know. Did any of that come back to you when you had when you played that little toy piano? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that thing! That thing is such a show stealer. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I it love is. it. Everybody loves it. Um, no, because I didn't have a oh, yeah, yeah okay. a toy piano, right. but it. Uh, Remember that band uh, that that only played toy instruments? It was like they were they were around for about five minutes, but right, they right, were right. they were national, and they they had a song called uh, "Funny Thing Happened to Me on the Way to the Toy Store." Do you remember that? I remember that, but yeah. I yeah. And the thing is, after they played that, then when they played the next song, it was the same thing on toy toy, toy instruments. It was, like, <laughs> it was this great little one thing once, but like you didn't want to hear anymore. Right. But um. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you find that? Oh, that's a good story. Yeah. I think uh-huh. now that I tell it, it's probably going to. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I went uh, out to see some music at Mississippi Studios with Jai um, and a great uh, piano player, Ali Ippolito. Mm-hmm. Um, she was on stage. I forget the band. She's in a number of bands. I forget this particular configuration. She um, had her keyboard set up and also a toy piano. 
And she used it on like two or three songs. She didn't overuse it or anything, yeah. but it was fantastic. And I'm elbowing Jai like, we need one of those. I need one of those. And we worked. And then we were driving home from – this is the next day. We were driving home from work. And we were at what used to be that terrible six-way intersection of Burnside and Sandy. Oh, yeah. Like it was a total snarl mess. Yes. And we were waiting behind um, this – station wagon that was crammed full of all of this crap like plastic plants and shoes and suitcases and there was this toy piano oh man and i was like get out jai get out i was at the wheel and asked them how much they want for it and so he got out and he's like knocking on the door like like a madman and and then the, the guy was like he, I think he said that he wanted like a hundred bucks for it or something. And, and, but we were like trying to get his number. And of course the light went and that only lets three cars through. So you got to go. And so Jai's like running back to the car, jumps in and we just followed this station wagon all the way across town. No, I think the guy actually told Jai the number, which he promptly forgot on oh. his run, like back to the, anyway. So we went all the way to, uh, like the next quadrant of town and, like like it was kind of creepy we were just like <laughs> following them and the parked right behind them and we're like oh jeez and we just worked so we had cash and we gave them a 100 bucks for the toy piano which we thought well whatever we're just going to do this and it turns out that it was much more expensive online that it was wow i thought this is seems a lot but yeah. it's okay i'm going to say this for people listening so that they know it's like a it's like an upright grand toy piano. It's not just any toy piano. It's like black lacquered, shiny. It stands like two and a half, three feet tall. Is that the one in the, in the video? Mm-hmm. Okay. We will put the video okay. on, on, on the post. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. And it's yeah. a Schoen Hut, which is like the best brand for toy pianos. And it proudly <laughs> the says The Steinway of toy pianos. Well, literally, like right underneath <laughs> the label, the yeah. Schoen Hut, it says, Mark Wells the name. Like it takes itself very seriously. <laughs> As it should. It's a handsome thing. Yeah. Sounds good too. And the tines were all fairly in tune. Like really? it's it's pretty much in tune with itself. But they're not, the tines aren't bent or anything, so And it's really fun to play. Yeah, we just throw a contact mic in there and it's yeah. got a little quarter inch output and <laughs> we can run it direct and annoy everybody in the audience. <laughs> So where are you going next? Oh, um, I'm going on vacation to the beach. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> on which, Monday. Which beach? Knee tarts. Oh, good for you. Jai and I haven't been traveling um, for just vacation and not work in, I can't remember. Oh, that would be great. And we didn't get to go over the, do any kind of break over the holidays. We've been just working, working straight through or constantly yeah. on the road for work. And so yeah. this is just going to be a little getaway. That's great. I know. Oh, I'm boy. obsessing over it every minute. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're you not going to camp. You're going to actually get up. Yeah. We're staying in the beach house. And Good. Yeah. Good. I mean, I... It's not like I have anything against camping. It's just that I have something against camping, but that's okay because <laughs> I'm not from here. But you're you're what, what part of what part of uh, the metro area did you grow up in? I grew up in Tualatin. Ah, yeah. Ah, that's interesting. So it's it was pretty. I mean, it's like Portland area, but it's not Portland at all by any means. Yeah. It's, 
So and you decided to go to Santa Fe to be to have, to have something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never even seen pictures of Santa Fe. Really? But a really good friend of mine from high school was going there. She told me to apply, and they they were the ones that gave me a scholarship, so I went. Culture shock, huh? Oh yeah. Climate shock. I know. Yeah. Did and you miss the, the rain? rain? I did. Did you? I did terribly. <laughs> Rainy weather is my favorite weather. Ah, I see. I'm not authentic Portland thing. You're one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's very comforting. It means you don't have to pull weeds and stuff. You get to lay on the couch and read. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, This has me, been Tom. terrific. You know, uh, best of luck and everything. And and um, um, we'll just have to bide our times until these albums are ready. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.